Okay, first, I'm gonna sit next to MJ on the flight. Mm. Second, I'm gonna buy a dual headphone adapter and watch movies with her the whole time. Okay. Three, when we go to Venice, Venice is super famous for making stuff out of glass, right? True. So I'm gonna buy her a black dahlia necklace because her favorite flower is the black dahlia because of, well... The murder. The murder. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode number 183. And the movie this week was Spider-Man Far From Home. And joining me because he hadn't seen it is Nisbet. Nisbet, how you doing? Good. All right, so you were on a, a while back, probably about yes. six months ago or so. Uh, I got you Has to watch. It been six months? It's been pretty close to that. Okay. Uh, and it's, I got you to it watch. Doesn't feel like it. Homecoming. Homecoming for the first time. Yeah. Um. I yes. know it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it. Time has no meaning it, anymore. Like. No, six, it doesn't. Six it, months, it doesn't. eighteen years, whatever. They're the same thing. Um. So you, <laughs> good. Good. Op- good opening. Uh, <laughs> good opening cap. By the way. Oh, thank you. Um, so, so you saw Homecoming. Um, so you know you're now familiar with Tom Holland as Spider Man, and you've yes. seen MJ, you've seen Jacob, um, yes. Jacob Battle on his Ned, all that. So, yes. so you didn't did you see, see my? Did you see my one note to you about the word teenagers? <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> it is it is definitely a subject to go over in this uh, movie. Um, we may have differing opinions on this. We'll find out. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. So, so you hadn't seen Far From Home yet, um, but you were at least somewhat familiar with it. Did you kind of know like anything about where it took place in the MC so, timeline or anything like that? What did you know going into it? So, so going into this, I did know roughly when in the MCU timeline it took place. Um, I knew some of what was happened, but not like in great detail. But like for me, that still doesn't really count as a spoiler because. Sure. You could tell me, oh, hey, you know, Mysterio's in the movie. Okay, well, that tells, still tells me, it gives me an idea of what might happen, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really tell me anything. Right. That That's usually the kind of information I wind up falling into, which mm-hmm. is fine. Uh, like, that that's totally perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I don't, for me, I mean, spoilers, I mean, yeah, like I said, spoilers really aren't really a thing for me because it's... You could tell me some information, like, oh, hey, this is the ending. Well, okay, great. You told me the ending, but you didn't tell me how we got there. Right, right. I can guess, mm-hmm. but it's not just the ending. It's also the journey that I care about. So as long as it's – you would literally have to tell me, sit here and read from the um, the script. Right. Word for word, everything. Uh-huh. So for it to ruin. And all the stage me. direction and everything. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So one thing that I noticed this watch through that never, never like dawned on me the first time um, or the first I've seen this a couple of times now, but the opening of this movie is structured the same as the opening of uh, Homecoming, where we get a little we get that little cold open where we meet our uh, who will eventually be our villain or some or something related to them. Yes. And then the events leading up to the movie are told via kind of a, a very uh, amateurish video 
Um, in Homecoming, it was Peter shooting his own video of his trip to Berlin uh, and meeting Captain yeah. America and the fight and all that kind of stuff. And in this, it was the tribute video to the Avengers mm-hmm. and everything that had happened during the blip from the school, uh, the, the school TV station, which had... Yeah the wonderful final image that they used in that had the Getty images watermark on it. Yep. And I was just like, ah, chef's kiss. Like that's the perfect way to end yep. that. Um, yep. It was so good. So I, I don't know why it didn't like, it didn't register with me that they did that exact same thing in homecoming and in this movie. Yeah. Um, but then I'm watching well, it. And I'm like, Holy, they did. They just like, they yeah. followed their same story beats, which is great. It's a, yeah, it's a, it, it tells you the rhythm is still there. They they know what kind of what they're doing at least. This time. Yeah, and it also <laughs> feels like another episode in this saga, right? Yes. Like, oh, we're going back to this. Cool. We've seen, you know, it gets you in that same yeah. mindset. So I liked that opening. Um, I thought that was really I, cool. I will I will admit it. It threw me for about um, thirty seconds to the tribute video. <laughs> oh yeah, remember? Oh yeah, this takes place after Endgame. Yep. And these people are all dead and have stayed dead. <laughs> and that was actually, so that was a, uh, in, in reference to spoilers, some people were annoyed because Kevin Feige came out before the movie was released yeah, and said that this movie will take place after the events of Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And people were upset. They're like, you know, uh, they, they, because it basically told them, well, Spider-Man's going to survive Endgame. And it's like, okay, they're making another Spider-Man movie. Yes, he's going to survive Endgame. Um, <laughs> that's but, like that's wasn't really a, yeah because I remember hearing that too. It's like that's not wasn't a spoiler. The fact that they're making one in the first place is kind of the oh hey he survives right. Um, like, some people were thinking oh maybe they'll set it you know before the blip or whatever. But um, no, it's not as much fun. It, it kind of made sense because this was sort of the um, like the epilogue to uh, the Infinity Saga, yeah. right? This was like yeah. the well, Infinity. Kind of what I took it as, yeah. And so this was like, okay, the Infinity Saga has ended. Here's a let's wrap up a few things, and then we move on to our next phase of co- of, of yeah. movies. So, um, yeah, then that, that never bothered me. Um, so Tom Holland is back. Uh, everybody's back. Tom Yay. Holland, yeah. Zendaya, um, Jacob Batalon. We've got uh, John Favreau. John Favreau <laughs> comes back as Happy Hogan. That was uh, super fun. Um, obviously, uh, Marissa Tomei. Um, I still love Mercy Tomei. Oh, she's and, and Jack Favreau, both. And it's like you know, if you have to pick somebody to play Happy Hogan, yeah, you're gonna pick. Yeah, you're gonna freaking pick uh, John Favreau. He just has that I don't know feeling to him. There's so. there's a thing that John Favreau is able to do where he can play like this kind of lovable buffoon really yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, because his Happy Hogan is not that far off from uh, his Foggy Nelson character that he played in the oh, ben, ben Affleck point. Daredevil movie. Good like, point. Good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. And it's funny. I always forget that he played Foggy Nelson in Daredevil. Yeah. Because Probably because it's been so long since I've seen <laughs> Daredevil. But now that you say that, it's like, oh, yeah, he did do that, didn't he? A lot of people try to forget that Daredevil movie. I... I it's not I, great. It was okay. But... It was great, but it was okay. It was if you took it, if you wanted to take it seriously, yeah, it wasn't that great. But if you took it as okay, it's just you know, it's it is what it is. Then it's it's a fine movie. Sure. So I, 
I mean, uh, I could go on and on about that movie too. Uh, that's it had a some, different. That's a it, different episode. Yeah, it had some tonal <laughs> issues. It had some problems where it didn't quite yeah. know what it wanted to be, and the characterizations yeah. were a little off. But like, it's fine. Whatever. Um, but yeah, his Happy Hogan and his Foggy Nelson are very similar, and he does like when he was gutter in PCU, he's that lovable buffoon in that. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's so good at that type of character. So his happy Hogan. Yeah. I love, I love him as happy because, and, and I like, I actually yeah, like happy, happy gets a little progression in this too. Yeah, he does. Uh, well, and it's cool. funny too, because while he's really good at playing sort of the buffoon, the lovable buffoon, I mean, you then turn around and watch something like chef and you know, he's basically the kind of the straight man in the movie. Yep. So, like, the fact that he has that breadth of, oh, hey, I can go from this to this, and it's not one or two dimensions. It's, like, all three or four or however many you want to put in. Yeah. And, you know, he yeah, he has some range. Oh. But he is. This is when he's in his sweet spot. I also think, oh yeah, because um, I read that John Watts said he loved having John Favreau uh, there for Happy Hogan because as a director – he loves to work with other directors that also act because they understand yeah. what he's going through. Yes. And so it's kind of, that's got to kind of be nice too, because not only is John Favreau a director, but he directed Iron Man and Iron Man two. And yes. so there's going to be a little bit of that Marvel, like, yeah, I kind of know what's going on. Can hit me, you know, he can help him out a little bit. That yep. that's gotta be nice. Um, yep. So yeah, it was great to see him back. And I love that they explored a little more of the um, kind of, Will they, won't they with him in May where like he's definitely, they, they definitely like each other. They're smitten. Yes. They're like, they're like a high school. You can tell. Yeah. But like happy the fact is. That he's there during his eating lunch at her workplace. <laughs> it's like, okay, just at that point, I'm like, okay, you two are clearly in love. Just Peter just needs to lock the two of you into a closet and just be done with it. Well, what's great is, <laughs> is like Tom Holland's reactions in every one of those scenes are perfect yes. where it's like wait a minute yeah it's what i think happening <laughs> happening right now and but he know like he can't get a straight answer like he's not going to get an answer from either one of them because they're both no, dodging no. it and he's yeah. he doesn't quite want to ask so he's just and sort of like the end of the movie it's like he still gets the dodging it's like okay <laughs> at that point he's just like okay just whatever i'm just gonna go off and do this other thing and yeah deal with it, deal with this nonsense later oh so those those <laughs> scenes cracked me up but i like too because like happy's way more into it maybe than may is but may like yeah. may likes him but she's not quite as serious as happy is about it and so there's a little yeah. of that miscommunication there but it's yeah. never made into like a huge thing either yeah it's but it's it is all definitely clearly spilled out there is definitely that miscommunications spelled out at the end of the movie where there's mm-hmm. like, yes, no, like, are you two dating? Yes, no. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then again, Peter's just like, hey, you know what? You two figure that out. I'm going to leave. Because um, he just <laughs> he just doesn't want, like, he doesn't want to think of, of Aunt May like that. And yeah. or, or Happy Hogan like that. Yeah. It's like... And, and, but I do think if it was, if it was Happy and interested in anybody but... Peter's Aunt May, he would be like trying to help him out or giving yes. him encouragement or something. Oh. But it's May, oh, and he doesn't want to think about that. And it's also kind of cool in a way because, like, we've never had, at least in the movie universe, and to my knowledge in the comics, an Aunt May that's been portrayed the way that um, that Marissa Tomei does, where she's younger and dating and all this, because like she I was always the ultimate universe. She's younger. That would make I don't sense. Think she's- 
that she's not i mean i'm talking like the ultimate comics but yeah, i don't yeah, think yeah. she's quite like she is in the mcu like i read a little bit of the ultimate and that's where i, I kind of know but it's like okay just yeah because I, I know in like the the main universe she's older like she is in the 90s cartoon and it would make sense that they would pull from because they pull a lot of stuff from the right. ultimate universe for the comics yeah. uh or for the movies they kind of meld the yeah. two um, yeah. but yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed that. That was fun. That was some great, you know, little side humor that you could, yeah. uh, you could have going on there. And that was, that was great. Um, like I, yeah, yeah like you said, I love Marissa Tomei. She, mm-hmm. she's, oh, she's fantastic. Like, I think we said this last time too, but she's like the perfect Aunt May. She's like for this Peter Parker. She's mm-hmm. like, yes, right there. She's like, okay, I'm willing to be your best bud while helping you deal with all this other BS. The fact that she goes, "Hey, are you taking your suit with you? Don't forget, <laughs> you know. Hey, don't forget, don't forget to take your suit with you. You know, as he's getting ready to leave, you know, yep. for this vacation, and he, you know, Peter's like, no, I'm supposed to be on vacation. What, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, keeps poking him. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, it's great. Yeah, and like, then packs it for him anyway. Yeah, which which and, makes yeah. for another one of those great moments where. Uh, where they're searching his suitcase and it was the banana that she gave him uh, yep. that did it. But uh, it was, it was awesome. So yeah, Marissa Tomei, John Fat, uh, so good. Um, so what, it, if I remember right from homecoming, you like Tom Holland as Peter. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, even from, uh, cause I never technically saw a civil war. Don't. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother can of worms. We can open up later. Sure. Uh, uh, because you know, ninety or like at least half the Marvel movies I haven't seen. Fair. Um, uh, I'm planning on getting to them at some point. It's just <laughs> okay. Well, I have to now work up the you know impetus to sit down for the two hours or whatever it is to to watch, mm-hmm. which is you know again different kind of worms. That's but yes, uh, I fell in love with Tom Holland as Spider Man uh, almost from the word go. When I saw him in Infinity War, yes, oh, he's uh, like right from the get go. From that, it's like I already knew I liked him. Of course, he'd already been around the block, you know, with Homecoming, you know, at least a little bit by mm-hmm. that point. But still, it's like you know, there was something absolutely wonderful about having Tom Holland as Spider Man, even in the Infinity War in Endgame, and. You know, now we're seeing him on his own. It's like, oh yeah, he's still a freaking teenager with all of the baggage that comes along with that. And that is the thing. So there, there's always going to be a big debate anytime more than one actor portrays a certain character. Yeah. Right? Who's your favorite version? It, it happens with right. Batman. It happens with Superman. Yeah. Whatever. It's going to happen it's with Spider-Man because we've got three man. major Spider-Mans. Spider-Man? Yeah. Spider-Mans? Um, and... And like I, I think all three of them have merit. I think that Tobey Maguire, oh. like Tobey Maguire, and we may have talked about this in Homecoming too. Uh, but like Tobey Tobey Maguire fit that style that they were doing. Yes. But Tom yes. Holland, Tom Holland fits. Uh, it's the MCU. Yes, he absolutely does. And and him being young when he started um, as uh, in the MCU with Civil War, as young as he was. And to still only be in his early twenties at this point, yeah. um, works really well. 
because he comes, he definitely comes across as being 17, 18, 19 years old. Yes. Because he's 20, 21 years old. Yeah. So he's not that far away from it. There's something with the way, like, I believe him. I believe that he is as smart as he is because of how excited he gets about like the geeky yes. stuff. Yes. Um, well, and then even in this movie, it's like the what, what was it that he started off on, and then everybody just like looked at him like, going like <laughs> "What the hell are you?" When they the mention when they mention the multiverse, and he just yes, goes off for thing. like fifteen seconds Which, straight. I mean, you know, and and knowing what I know now, like. It kind of led its lit, like lent itself into the whole. Okay, well now the third one, you know, which I still have yet to see. Third one being basically about the whole multiverse theory. So it's like you know, it, it, it kind of I know predicted itself, or I don't know how you would a little bit. Itself, so but. so one of the things with Marvel is Phase Four is sort of the multiverse saga. They're starting yes. that. Yes. So they, they had the Infinity Saga, and that was phases one, yes. two, and three. Two and three. Four begins the multiverse saga. So this Verse. bridged that gap where it brought the idea of the multiverse in, Yep. the, the wording, uh, without it yep. actually being anything multiversal. Yeah. Um, and I kind of liked that uh, because it was a neat way to sort of backdoor that idea in and be like, oh, yeah. well, oh I'm from another, and- you know, another universe. and. We'll get to kind of how they did that here, but like I just, yeah. I liked that, and I liked how quickly Peter jumps on that idea of like, oh sure, this makes perfect sense, uh, you know, yeah. and he just runs with it because the dude has been to space, he's been to another yeah. planet, he disappeared for five years, like the things that he has seen See? with Doctor Strange and, and everything else, like he's not going to question something like coming from an, yeah. other, an alternate universe at that point, yeah. Um, so. It's just like, oh, well, because for him, it's just, okay, well, it's just another day at the office. Yeah, pretty much. Literally. Pretty much. And, sort of literally. And I, I like, too, like, Tom Holland, he, he gives off this youthful energy yeah. as Peter. Mm-hmm. He can also pull off a lot of um, acrobatic Spider-Man stunts yes. without the need of the CG, which even if they were using digital doubles and stunt doubles and all of that, the fact that he is physically capable of doing some of this stuff makes it more believable in the movie, which I appreciate a lot. I don't remember if we talked about it last time, but did we talk about his audition? We did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because just even thinking about that just makes me just chuckle. Like, (laughs) it's like only Tom Holland would do go and do that. It's like mm-hmm. okay, okay, that's fair. Yep. Um, yeah, I and and he's got like, there's just the the energy that he brings and the, and he's got the emotional range because in this movie Peter is dealing with the loss of the father figure that he had in Tony. Yep. yep. And so that's a lot of what this movie was about was him coping with that and yep. still trying to be Spider Man. Everybody making him want to be the next Iron Man, which he is not right. prepared for at all. No, and, and wrestling. Even this, like, yeah, and even happy and towards the end, talking to him goes, yeah, no, you're never going to be the next Iron Man, but not even Tony could really be live up to his own. That thing. was okay. So I loved that scene so much, and that, like even more was, every time I see it because it's such a like that's Peter at his lowest point. He's messed right. up. He's realized yeah. how badly he's messed up, and like everything is bad. And here's Happy. He he gets a hold of Happy, <laughs> and Happy's just like, like 
dude, yeah, you're don't not. Be, don't be him. Just be you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. And the sincerity with which Happy's like, look, Tony double second guessed everything he ever did exactly. except choosing exactly. you. Choosing you. And I love that uh, because yeah. it's it's it, still it just... Tony doing his. It's Tony being the best the best version of himself. Yes. Through Happy, and by yes. extension into Peter, and it's it's yes. just I love that. Oh yeah, no, and it was such a wonderful moment to just sit there and watch, and then you sort of see this transformation within Peter of going from like him being in the lowest. Okay, well now he's up on the upswing, back mm-hmm. up on the, on the upswing from his low point. You know, yep. he's you know. Figure started to figure things out. His brain is going, you know, 100 miles an hour, you know, and you can yeah. kind of see it. And then, you know, he basically goes because that's like in the airplane, right? Where yeah. he's, yep. yeah. So then, you know, then he turns around and goes, okay, goes over to the uh, costume area or the the suit area, and then just goes to town and starts working on building the upgraded suit. Yes, and how great is that as a parallel to? So in the first in Homecoming. He has the suit that Tony gives him, yes. and he's doing yes. everything, and uh, he he makes some mistakes, and Tony comes to him, and what does Peter tell him at that point? Without the suit, I, I can't do anything. I'm nothing without the suit. And Tony's like, if you're nothing without the suit, you shouldn't have it. Give it back yeah. to me. So Homecoming was all about Peter having these abilities and having this technology and having Tony in his corner and thinking yeah. that he had everything that he needed and he was destined for more and he wanted to expand. And by the end of it, realizing he's got to bring back to kind of reset and be the yeah. friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and all that. Then we had the events of the infinity war and Endgame and all the shit that happened there. Yep. And by he's the, like basically aged 20 years in the process mentally. Yep. And he comes out of that with like, I want to stay small and I want to be yeah. local. And so when he leaves, not only does he not I, take a suit, but May packs him his normal suit, not the, the yeah. nanotech well, Tony Iron uh, Spider suit and, that he was wearing right. at the beginning of the movie. Well, and even then, like the fact that he he's wanting to stay small, he's wanting to you know stay local. You can see that in that scene where they're at that fundraiser. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that tells you, okay, yeah, no, he's doing what he wants to do now. Even with all the great gadgets, even with all the high tech crap he got from Tony or inherited from Tony or whatever, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like he's now doing what he wants to do, which is doing the small stuff, being in the local area, yeah, and helping out there. So that was actually really kind of cool to see. Also threw me for, for a loop because I had kind of forgotten that May knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's like. Oh yeah, that's right. She knows. She found out right at the end. The other, the, the, but the other cool thing is, so in the first movie, it's him losing all of the the extra gadgets and toys, and kind of yeah. getting back to the basics of wearing the sweatsuit. In this movie, it's him getting all broken down and then happy, being like, "Hey, here's a way to make yourself a new suit. Here's all the yeah. technology, everything Tony had at your fingertips. Go to it." And yeah. now, Peter is ready for that. And that scene, he opens it up and the, the display comes up yep. and he starts fiddling with it. And just that moment of recognition, Happy sees him. And he's, he's seeing his yep. best friend again in yep. Peter. He's seeing Tony and he's yep. just like, I got you, kid. Like, I love that. Uh, it just, it gave me chills it, watching it. It, ma- it made it, me so happy for Happy and, and for, for everyone. Me, like, 
and for me, it feels like that they're sort of heading down this road where, like, in Happy's eyes, he is, like, not literally becoming the next Iron Man, but definitely metaphorically becoming mm-hmm. the next Iron Man. Like, becoming, you know, his best butt. Becoming his, you know, best friend again. You know, getting a best friend again. Yep. Which is also really cool, because that is fantastic. Um, and... I'm actually like even this kind of like really kind of makes me realize oh yeah no they're doing a really good job with you know they've hit their stride with the MCU you know they've finally gotten where they wanted to get going I really feel that way and you're you're getting you're getting some character growth inside of movies that can carry over from movie to movie like this one what I loved was so in the last movie you had uh, and we're we're going to reference Homecoming a lot because they're connected. It's a, it's one <laughs> yeah, long story. Yeah. But in Homecoming, and I'm sure for for No Way Home, we'll reference back to these two again. Because oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, in in Homecoming, Happy is uh, you know, he's become head of security and he's super confident in himself. Um, but he like he doesn't want to let Peter know. Like, there's he's keeping Peter at arm's length throughout that whole movie but he's paying attention at the same time. Yeah. And then this movie starts off and he's definitely much chummier with Peter because he doesn't have Tony there anymore. He's, he's friendly with Peter and with may, but he also like, there's that scene where when he brought the big check and then he's like, Hey, Nick Fury, Nick Fury is going to call you. And then Nick Fury (laughs) calls. He's like, Oh, it's unknown. It's gotta be him. And he just, he doesn't answer. He's like, did you just send Nick Fury to, to voicemail? You can't do that. And he's like, you do that. And then he's going to call me. I don't want to talk to him. Like he's afraid to talk to him. By the end of the movie, with everything that happened, Happy gains the the like gumption to be able to yeah. stand up and at least be face to face with Nick Fury or who he thinks yeah. is Nick Fury. But we'll get to that. Fury. We'll get to that. Um, Which and, and I love and that. There are hints, and and you know when you're watching, you know mm-hmm. there's definitely hints of oh hey something's not quite right here. But we'll again, like you said, we'll get to that. Yeah, but I just I loved that that little it wasn't a huge arc but it was just a little arc with happy where yep. by the end of it he's got some of that confidence back that he was trying yep. the bravado that he was showing in homecoming but he didn't really yes. he didn't have feel it. it yeah yeah he was putting the face on but he didn't have it and in this one he he, he gets that he's by the end it. of it which is yeah. awesome i love that so much so um yeah uh, Nismaru in the chat says it always felt as if Peter was being stripped down in order to reconnect with his roots essence in order to develop both as a person and a superhero. And I that was, disagree. that was a theme I, in I both movies. Yes. Um, so I, I agree with you on there. Um, I, I, it feels like every, so even going back to homecoming and uh, going back to homecoming, going to Endgame, going to infinity. Sorry. I said that in reverse order, but still going to infinity and Endgame. You know, you still see that, okay, well, there's some element of Peter kind of getting broken down. Yep. And then getting built back up again. Like, granted, in Infinity Wars, it's a bit more literal. (laughs) It's literally broken down. Uh, But, you know, uh, yeah, and you can definitely kind of tell even from, you know, from this going into Endgame and Home, or uh, from, sorry, from Homecoming to Infinity and Endgame to this, you can really tell that he's had some growth as a superhero. Yes. For sure. Yep. And then and... between homecoming and then this, you can tell he's growing as a 
person outside of the suit as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is he's... nice. And uh, so do we want to talk about the other kids or do we want to talk sure. about... Okay, no, so let's, let's talk about... Let's talk about the other kids. All right. So hey. MJ and Ned are the two main ones. Um, yes. His best friend and his uh, hopeful girlfriend because they're not together yes. yet. Yes. Um, but he definitely he has a thing for her. He's got his whole plan of exactly yep. how... And so that scene... I'll tell you what, right now, I related to that so hard <laughs> because I never did anything like that. But boy, did I have conversations like that where like, I'm going to do this and then this and this and it'll line up perfectly and have a friend just be like, or you're an idiot. Don't <laughs> or do don't any do of that. that. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, and, you know, Ned, Ned cracks me up, right? Because the whole first I'm, movie, he wanted to be I the guy in the up. chair. Yeah, and, I think. I was in Ned's shoes in that conversation once. <laughs> what a great! I, it's been a it, long time. Yeah, it, I think I was in Ned's shoes at least once in that conversation. It's like, I'm like, yeah. And so I can relate a little bit, but not clearly not as much as you had. It was just. It was definitely I, like I've had that conversation, and I've certainly had that conversation in my head a lot. Yeah. Uh, when I was that age, and my even into my early twenties where I just knew exactly how I wanted everything to, to lay out. And, but I didn't, it just, it was never going to happen that way, but you just do yeah. that. You lay out everything out like that. So that was great. But like Ned, Ned cracks me up and you know, in that whole first movie, he's, he know, like he finds out and then he's the guy in the chair and he's so excited sure. about that. And here yep. he kind he's of like, gets a little, I, little bit, uh, shy. yeah, little yeah. Bit shy. Thankfully, like they gave a narrative reason for him to not be as involved because he's got yeah. his whole the whole girlfriend thing with Betty yeah. um, throughout the Which whole is, trip. I mean, it gives him a nice bit of a distraction, though, at least from <laughs> from worrying about Peter. So that that was good. Yeah, um, he, he does have uh, he and and MJ both have a more prominent role in No yes. Way Home. Um, yes, but and uh, I still like Zend Zendaya. 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 I still love her as MJ. Like, oh, again, she's great for for the MCU for this Peter. She mm -hmm. is, she was the perfect actress to play, you know, his counterpart, counterpoint. And again, in this yeah. movie, she doesn't have a ton <clears throat> to do. But what I liked is that the characterization of her was still very much, um, you know, she's going to use the sarcasm. She's yep. going to her wit, her wit, and she's definitely like the whole scene where, where Peter's wanting to give her the, the black Dahlia. And then she's immediately yeah. like, Oh, you're Spider-Man. Like, yeah, I figured it out. And she was kind of <laughs> bluffing at the same time. Yeah, she was. And uh, it was like, it, it was, it was still funny though. Oh, it was, it was so well done. The two of them had such great chemistry together. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that they dated for a while. If they aren't still, I don't remember, but I, would, yeah, I would be surprised. They were at the time for sure, and their chemistry together is great because they feel they they portray these two somewhat awkward kids so well. Yeah, with like you can tell how they like each other, but they're not comfortable with each other quite yet. They have to build. I that. wonder if the dating thing kind of spilled over into the movie just a little bit, just sort of the awkwardness of it. It very well could have. Which I mean, now in all fairness, you know I'm not gonna say hey they shouldn't have or whatever. No, if it did, it added to the movie. So I mean, mm -hmm. you know, on the one hand, yay. Oh yeah. Or on both ends, so yay. Definitely not gonna um, 
definitely not going to knock that. Well, um, it, it would be one thing if they were dating and that chemistry bled over and they were supposed to be like antagonistic towards each other, but they're not. Yeah. And so no. it works. Yeah, it works. Um, but yeah, I like, I like her a lot and I loved how, you know, she's figuring things out and she's yep. when, when Peter doesn't stay at the opera, um, and she's she just goes like, and follows. yeah, she just gets up and heads right out. Like that's totally what that MJ would do is yeah. go right after him and try to yep. find him and then get caught and everything. But then she finds like the, the, the piece and that's what makes her think that, uh, you know, obviously, cause Look, let, let's be honest. Peter's not very good at hiding the fact that he's Spider-Man. No, no. In fact, he's terrible at it. The fact that he's only had up to this movie only what three people by the end, by the near end of it figured yeah, out exactly. It's like is is somewhat of a shock because he's so terrible at hiding he's Spider-Man. It's like, yeah. it, and dude, and put the, at least a little bit of effort into it. Yeah, and. What's what's great is the one person who probably of anyone should have figured it out, but also wouldn't believe that Peter is Spider Man is Flash. Flash, yeah. And in this movie, Flash uh, doesn't have, scene. yeah, he doesn't have a ton to do, but oh. they do have they do have a very great moment right at the end when they get back, um, that uh where everyone gets back to Newark airport and they're all seeing everybody and Flash goes up to the driver that has the sign oh, for him yeah. and he's like oh could mother yeah. not make it like the poor kid's mom didn't even, like yeah. she didn't even show up to see him after this harrowing thing yeah. that happened to him where he nearly died several times while in <laughs> Europe and like you kind of feel for Flash at that point cuz he yeah. look Flash is a dick like there's no way yeah. around that but what that that little thing right there gives you it tells you that there's a reason yeah, behind it. There, there's something there. There's, there's more to Flash than we really know. Um, yeah. Plus, he had like he just has and, that uh, he, he it's that great dichotomy of how much because of what happened in Homecoming, he now idolizes Spider-Man and he thinks he's yeah. the coolest thing ever, and he has no idea that Peter is Spider-Man, and he just treats yeah. Peter horribly. Still, horribly. it's so great. No, like the hotel scene. It's like, you know, it cracked me up. It legitimately cracked me up uh, when I saw the hotel scene where he's like, you know, talking great about us talking Spider-Man up. And then here comes Peter wandering in and he goes, hey, sure. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, it was it was like wonderful. Um, As much. Honestly, I would say I like the MCU Flash better than any of the comic ones I that I know about. Just because, at least as a kid, at least as as a, a teenager in high school, just because of the way it's, yeah, he's antagonistic antagonistic towards Peter, but it's not like overly like physical. It's more of just the it's more of the equivalent of like shooting spitballs at the kid, you know, at Peter. yeah. Yep. Now, if they were going to do, like, if they were going to expand the character and start doing some of the stuff they did with him in the comics, then I don't know that this characterization fits that. The, no. Like, the stuff where Flash becomes, I think it's Agent Venom at some point yeah. in the future. But that's all, like, that's not happening. No. And, it, and if it does, <clears throat> it certainly wouldn't be, be in awkward. this universe. It would be a completely right. different thing. But but in this in this set of movies this Flash Thompson works perfectly. Yes. Um, and, and I love and I the actor it. who plays him because he 
again, for this Flash, they got the right actor. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how well that they managed to nail the right actors in Homecoming. And then having oh, yeah. them come in and do be able to do this one. And you can tell, okay, well, everybody is now fitting the mold just a little bit better. Yep. You know, after it just, they're fitting into the character. It's like putting on, you know, Homecoming. It was, okay, it's a brand new dress or a brand new outfit. Now with uh, Far From Home, it's, okay, it's, you know, a well-worn, it fits like a glove. You yep. know, it's all the, the, the you know, stiffness in the in the outfit is out you know yep. and they just slide right in absolutely uh, <clears throat> and that'll bring us to jake gyllenhaal as quinton yes. beck aka the I, student. You know, and his last name i always i look at it i always look at it and i always butcher it always it happens. always it happens uh it's a tough one but as far as i know it's gyllenhaal and i'm going with that until someone tells me differently um it, whether it be uh, Jake or his sister, um, I, either one of them can tell. Maggie can tell me too. It's fine. No <laughs> um, but Quentin Beck, uh, aka Mysterio. Now, Mysterio. I really dug this character, and yes. I loved J- Jake's. Yes. His performance is so good in this character Jake. because for the first hour of the movie. Now, look, if you're a fan of Spider-Man at all, and you saw the trailer you're like okay so mysterio is the villain you're not you're not questioning that because he's a villain in yeah. all the spider-man every spider-man yeah. property so yeah. the the having it be a twist halfway through they didn't like try to they weren't necessarily trying to hide it I, um no. but i loved that the fir- for the first hour of the movie he's a good guy ish yeah he's a but, relatively good guy but, you know, just like as a film fan, you're like, okay, well, he's the only other big name actor and he's playing a major character. He's obviously the villain. Um, yeah. He's playing Mysterio. I'm a Spider-Man fan. He's obviously the villain. Yeah. But the the way it was handled was done so well. And what I loved about it, and I was paying so much more attention this watch through, was his performance as Quentin Beck is great because he starts off and he's playing, he's playing a character. Of yeah. of Mysterio, of this hero. And so he's giving all the right phrases and he's saying all the right words and he's doing the right actions, but all of it feels just a touch off. Like it just doesn't yeah. quite make sense. Yeah. And then for and then you get all the way up to the scene where they're sitting in the bar talking. And you've got yeah. uh Peter's having his lemonade, Quentin's having a beer. They're they're still in their costumes amongst all the people, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Like, which I mean, that kind of also gives a uh, yeah, like is a is a sign of okay, there's something not quite right here. Yeah, like, into the initial, that's just like the first red flag that should have come up is okay. They're sitting here in costume, all of these people around in the bar. The bar is not dead quiet, but really, really quiet. There's like some murmuring yeah. in the background, like, but it's still not as loud as a bar like that should have been. No, and and the thing is, like, Peter is Peter is fairly naive. Let's be honest. Yes, and he's young. He's not really going to be paying attention to it. He's just gotten through this major event. Yeah. So Quentin's taking advantage of that. Oh yeah. That is you your. Know, he that took it, advantage of Peter hard. Yeah, that is your total red flag. But what I liked was, you know, he starts talking about um, kind of everything that happened, and then when that scene ends, 
and he's addressing all of his friends, all of his yeah. his team, and he talks about how Tony said he was unhinged and um and all of this, and that's part of why he yeah. fired him. And up until that point, we haven't seen any of that. And from that point on, he's yeah. completely different, and he is very unhinged. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I just I dug well, that. I, 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 part of I think part of what I attributed to the being unhinged bit after that is the fact that okay, well, he now has these glasses mm-hmm. that will allow him to do so much more. So basically, he just skipped twenty steps in his plan. Oh sure. That he no longer has to do it. So I think the unhinged bit comes through a little bit more in part because okay, well, there's half the crap I don't have to do now. Well, not only that, but like he also he has no problem just. Uh, wanting to kill the kids, high school kids, yeah. uh, just for yeah. getting in his way. Like, he's not going to stop at anything. And it was the stuff where, like, the first half of it, the way he's playing his character of Mysterio, yeah. this this character that he's come up with, that they've, they've created for him as a hero, is completely different from who he really is, and that facade starts to chip away. You really kind of oh, yeah. notice it, like, when Peter says, well, I'm going to go, you know, uh, talk to MJ. And at that moment, because up until then, all Quentin has done is like encourage and build up Peter. And at that moment, he's like, ah, I give you 50-50. You're kind of awkward, which can play off as just being like funny and sarcastic, but also sort of the yeah. first time he's ever said anything not positive to Peter. Yeah. And then the immediate aftermath of that is him talking about how easy it was to get the glasses, how naive and stupid the kid is. And how they're going to, you know, do everything. So, like, that was a nice heel turn in that moment in the movie. Um, I just, I really liked how how much he played on that idea of being the mentor and father figure to Peter. So, it's funny because even though, like, I know Spider-Man, the Spider-Man universe is well enough to know that Mysterio is obviously going to be a villain. But at the same time, going to this movie and seeing Mysterio for the first hour, it's like, I really was... There was still a part of me that was really, really hoping that they wouldn't have done that. Like, there was still that part of me. It's like, no, I want him, to, like, in the MCU to actually be legitimately be a hero. Well, you know why that is, though. And, I think at least part of it, yeah. my theory, is how good of an actor Jake Gyllenhaal is, and oh, yeah. how how much oh, yeah. he gets you to no. his his charm and his charisma, how much you like him, and he's yeah. playing the heroic character. Yeah. So, oh, like, no. a lot of that. Oh no, a lot of that definitely I can attribute to Jake. That that hundred percent, I can tell you right now that a lot of that is you know because of the actor that they got because of Jake, and I mean of course this is also a guy who you know one of the first movies of his that I saw was uh, Day After Tomorrow. Okay. Yep. So I mean you know he go from that to this it's like oh yeah no he's he's definitely gotten better as an actor. Oh yeah, he is. He's a very and good actor. I also like he's having fun with this role too. Oh yeah, you no, can and see I, it. I have, I have this sneaking suspicion that he probably part of why he signed on in the first place is I'm gonna guess without this is a pure guess, but I'm gonna step out on a limb and say that he's probably a Spider-Man fan himself. Well, he almost was Peter Parker. Oh, so I didn't so know that after the first Spider-Man film. Uh, Toby yeah. McGuire, the first Raimi one, Toby McGuire yeah. made Seabiscuit. And during the filming of Seabiscuit, he injured his back. Yeah. And he was going to not, he wasn't going to be able to do Spider Man 2. 
And oh. so Jake Gyllenhaal was nearly cast as Peter Parker before Maguire's back healed up enough that he could do the movie. And so oh, they, they ended up getting him back. That. Yeah, so he almost was. So I can totally see that. I did read that like one of the things he said was this movie kind of showed him how much fun it can be to make a movie because he just yeah. got to. And I think a lot of that is getting to play the unhinged villain, right? You get to do yeah. all the scenery chewing and you get to just yeah. go crazy. And he and also he does a really good job. Of it. And he didn't chew the scenery just to chew the scenery. No, it all made sense for his character. It worked. It worked perfect. Well, yeah, perfectly. We'll, we'll go with perfectly. Yeah. Or at least close enough to, to when making a movie that, that it, it totally it worked. worked for me. Yeah. It 100% it, works for me. And reportedly I, he loved that costume, like that mocap oh, suit that he wore. Like, I, I, I don't doubt that. Now I read this in a couple of places, but apparently he liked it so much that he was like trying to make sure that he only wore that throughout the whole movie. So like, he's almost always in the mocaps, which I thought, I mean, Hey, it looks comfortable. So why yeah. not? Um, but yeah, he was so good. Like he plays Peter like a fiddle for the first hour oh. of the movie. Oh, oh, completely. And then he has his heel turn and he's just crazy after that. But I also love, yeah. and this is an, a cool thing. When you watch it, if you watch it again, the scene in Prague where Peter is sitting after um, Fury kind of dresses him down and then Peter's sitting on that bridge. Yeah. And... Uh, Quentin comes kind of flying up and starts talking to him and then he sits down. Pay yeah. pay attention the next time you watch that and realize, number one, they never make any kind of physical contact whatsoever. And number two, oh, he never... No, right, they didn't. His, his eye lines don't quite make sense, like almost like he's kind of searching for Peter a little bit because Quentin's yeah. not actually there. It's the projection of him because yeah. it's the flying yep. version of him. Like it's subtle little things they would do like that that I thought really worked. Um, but I just loved, I loved how, um, and you know, some people complained that, oh, he's another jaded former Tony Stark person. No, that fits in the MCU. Tony Stark is such a huge part of the MCU and Stark industries that I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And it makes more sense to have, if you're going to have Mysterio, he's got to fit in the universe that you've created and what, in the stories that you're telling a failed special effects artist using his uh, special effects talents to rob banks and stuff doesn't make sense in this world. But having him be somebody who used to work for Tony Stark doesn't anymore and and is upset about that. that. Yeah, well, and then keeping in mind, too, that in both in the comics and in the MCU, I mean, there of all of the Marvel heroes, I would say I least like... Tony Stark. I like all of the heroes fine. Like, mm. It is what it is. Like, you know, they all have their flaws or whatever. But I would say that out of all of them, Tony has probably the worst human flaw that for a hero that you can have. And that is the need to control everything. Yeah. And, but I would attribute that to how he grows grew up. So in part, that kind of falls on Howard Stark. Oh, for sure. That kind of, that definitely falls on the Howard Stark for raising him the way he did and not trying to do it a little bit better. But, you know, again, it is what it is. And even in the comics, I mean, Tony still has this need for control. Yep. Um, 
Whereas somebody like with with Peter, it's it's yeah, there like especially with this Peter, yeah, there's a little bit of that naivete. There's a little bit of that you know being you know sort of the fresh born babe in the world of heroes. I mean, yeah. But he's also he's a fan of all these heroes too. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's grown up around them, so that makes a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. Uh, I I only wish that we could have had more uh, movies with Mysterio with Quentin Beck because I thought yeah. that, that was uh, I just I just like the character. I like he, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think is what it really boils well, down yeah. to. So and I part of, I, I I really kind of hope that they can figure out a way to bring him back in another movie. Just because it's such a great character. He does such a great job playing that character. It's like, you know, if they were to do like a Sinister Six, yeah, this Mysterio would be perfect for it. This Adrian Toomes from this universe would be perfect for it. Like you have, you're lining kind of lining up all these villains in the MCU that would make for a great Sinister Six against Spider-Man. And you know the the thing with it is with the multiverse now kind of open, uh, anything's possible, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. All right. So Nick Fury and um, and uh, uh, Maria Hill are in this movie. Yep. Sam Jackson and so- Kobe Smolders. Um, did you know the twist with them? During so, the movie, or did you kind of yes. start to figure no. it out? So before, so this is one of those things that I did get was did find out beforehand, but so I was sort of looking at the different tells, looking for the different tells and for the slip ups and stuff. And if you're paying attention, even without knowing it, you kind of get the red flags anyway. But yes, I did know. But even so, like I was still coming in because it'd been long enough that I had been told that, and I kind of had forgotten some of the details mm-hmm. of what I got told. But like, you know, it. So it's still, it's I I knew, but it still took me by surprise, even though I was looking for some of those red flags. What's cool is there were some subtle things that they did in the movie, like Maria. Oh yeah, referring to him as Nick at the beginning. Yep. Um, yep. Because nobody calls uh, him. The reaction to. Their reaction to Carol Danvers, yeah, um, uh, was one. Um, the uh, but when he refers to having been uh, going back to when he got snapped, when Nick Fury got Fury got snapped. Oh yeah, yep. Also, um, uh, that was also a bit of a tell. Not as big of one, but because it's yes, it happened to Nick, but at the same time, Nick Fury would not have uh, phrased it that way. No, and he also wouldn't have said when when he referred to Quentin the first time as he's from Earth, but not your Earth. That was another yes. one of those subtle ones. That was but another I, tell. Yep. I liked that because Sam Jackson as Nick Fury is great. I, I love it every time he oh, shows up. He, I, I, like I just love Sam Jackson to begin with. He, yeah. he's like you throw a roll at him that you know that he's going to be good in. He nails it like mm-hmm. to a T. He just you don't have to worry. Yeah, um, and. And the fact that it's it's actually Talos as Nick Fury trying to be Fury is perfect because he's he's yes. as close as you know he's he's doing a good approximation but he's just oh, just no. a little bit off. Just um, a little off. And if you weren't paying attention, you would never have noticed. Yeah, exactly. Like Talos, like Talos playing Nick Fury works, and it's he does it well enough here 
that he only needs just a little bit of fine tuning mm-hmm. yeah. to make it okay. Well, you have one stand next to the other, and you really couldn't tell. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, so. I was I was super happy uh, with that, and I thought that that was a fun reveal at the end. Um, and, oh yeah, it was and an it also is going to help us uh, set up the um, secret invasion, which is coming. Yes, yes, that was yes, announced. I did know. Yes, I'm really glad that they're doing the secret invasion. Um, kind of wish that they would do the Beyonder stuff too, but I think that would be a harder needle to thread in the MCU. It's hard to say how they're going to, what they would do there. You're right in that that's, it's, it's tough. That's a tough one. Anything cosmic yeah. is, is not easy to make work. No. The no. Eternals kind of uh, proved that. I mean, the Eternals, yeah. I liked the Eternals, but it's some of the harder stuff to make work because it's just way out there. Guardians oh, of the yeah. Galaxy somehow managed to do it. Um, yeah. I was kind of shocked that, that they were able to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um just from, like you said, it's from a more cosmic standpoint, and it's like, well, okay, you're not just here on Earth where you can kind of go and go do the thing. You kind of have to invent new worlds and, you know, do the, the CG background, do the whatever. And it's yeah. like, well, that adds, I mean, I would argue that having to fly to Prague, London, Italy, and Austria is probably cheaper than having to do, like, half of an entire movie on green screen and then go back and having to put in the, the CG background. You would think that, but it's actually cheaper to do the CG backgrounds than really? it is to, to fly and shoot really? on location. Absolutely. It, okay. Yeah. It doesn't, it, I, that doesn't make sense, but, it, but it's, it's true. Um, that's backwards to me. <laughs> okay. So speaking of flying and doing stuff, plus half of what they did um, for like the Netherlands was shot in England. Yes, um, I, and as well as the uh, some of the Prague stuff. Yeah, yep. Which, which is normal. I found amusing. Which I found kind of amusing. It's like, oh, oh, okay. So you're gonna go be at least be in Europe at least. So that's good. Yeah, I mean it. That's normal for filmmaking, though. How many times has Vancouver yeah. doubled or Toronto doubled for New York? Like they're yeah. not New York City, but they can shoot there because it's cheaper. Yep. Um. So speaking of going to those places, though, one this movie does the sequel thing, right? So it takes it takes the first movie and it makes it bigger. It takes place. Yeah. In, the first movie was in New York. It adds more lore. Yep. And this movie expanded and goes from New York to Europe, and not just one city in Europe, multiple cities in Europe. Multiple cities. Yeah. I personally like my Spider-Man to be in New York. He's a Me he's too. such a New York character and. And the yeah. city is such an important part of who he is that it works for me more. I like this movie and I like what they did, but I, that was, if I have things to knock on it, it's not being set in New York um, yeah. for Spider-Man. The it's fine. Nothing Dimitri. wrong with it. Oh, Dimitri yeah. was, I love Dimitri. Dimitri was good. But wasn't that also the name, first name for the chameleon? Yes. The right. chameleon so, is Dimitri. There, there's a lot of little things like that. Yeah, like, I, so I'm wondering if he's going to wind up making another appearance as the chameleon, or if it's just going to be, oh, hey, well, here's this guy. It's basically a cameo for this character. I mean, that's all you're getting. You get kind of both, right? Because, like, <laughs> you can set yourself up to do that later if you want, but at the same time, it's just a fun Easter egg. It's yeah. like having, like, they're, they're probably never going to actually have Jacob Batalon as the Hobgoblin, but he's playing right. Ned Leeds, who becomes the Hobgoblin. 
at, at right. one point in the comics. So yeah. stuff like that. I, I just, I prefer when Spider-Man is set in New York. For me, that's just, uh, it just works more. This still was good though. And I did like the, the settings. I like Venice. I like Prague. Um, and what they did for all of that was cool. So I'm fine with that. The other thing it did though, that was very sequel like, especially superhero sequel is the, um, loss of powers trope where they, and the thing with this movie oh. was they mentioned yeah. it like twice, but they didn't, the, 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 the spider sense or the Peter tingle as they want to call yeah. it in this is one thing that the MCU never really, really, yeah, like it was hardly a thing mentioned at all in homecoming. Yeah. It's mentioned a couple of times here, but barely. And there's like that moment in infinity war where the hair stands up on his arms. Yeah. When everything's going off, but you just, it's like, it's never, it's never brought about overtly. It's always kind of a very subtle thing is where it's just like his reaction time is really good because of it. And so to have this whole idea of like, well, you, you lost your Peter tingle. I'd forgotten that they did that in this movie. And I'm like, did he? We have no real evidence that that's the case. Yeah. It's just like brought up. And that was one of those. I'm like, ah, but that's the superhero trope of you lose your powers in the second movie and you got to figure out how to yeah. get them back. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that yeah. trope. No, I, so, I agree. That, so I'm, I'm glad it was very way. underplayed because <clears throat> um, it didn't need to be uh, anymore. Oh, no. oh, 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 I forgot one other cast member I got to mention. So um, the, uh, the guy that... Um, He's William. He's the one that's like running the uh, simulations. The bald guy yes. with the mustache. Yes. Played by Peter Billingsley. Same okay. actor, same actor that played that character in, in the first Iron Man film. So that shot in the Iron Man film oh. where he's getting yelled at by Obadiah Stane. Yeah. Same actor. If he looks familiar to you, it's because he's Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder come... why he looks so familiar. I, wow, that is a huge time leap. Also, he didn't exactly age well <laughs> entirely. So that was one of those that I was like, oh man, I forgot that I'd completely forgotten that that was him. So that I had to mention that. Um, overall, I like what they do with this movie in terms of like the story and where they go with it. It's that same. Um, we kind of talked about it earlier, but that same idea of like having to strip back down to basics in order to build yourself back up. Um, yeah. and I enjoyed that. <clears throat> it, it dealt with the aftermath of Endgame really well. I feel like in a lot of ways, um, and sort of Peter having to move on, but not wanting to move on and everybody yeah. else trying to make him into something that he didn't feel like he was, but he, he is, he is worthy yeah. of that. And he was, oh, yeah. he was, and is worthy of having Edith. Tony trusted him enough for that, but like yeah. at the same time, uh, he wasn't ready for it yeah. because he didn't know, it? he didn't realize what was it? it was. What was it? The conversation homecoming that he uh, Peter tells him, "I wanted to be just like you." And oh, and, and Tony Tony's says, like, "I wanted no, you to be better." I wanted you to be better. Yep. And and I think in this one. Peter's starting to realize that yes, he can basically be a better Tony Stark. Yeah. Like and he's I think I think there are there's that that ground I think this movie laid the groundwork for that to come to fruition. 
Yeah, and Happy even tells him that. That's the best yeah. part. That again, that yeah. scene, that scene with him and uh, the two of them on the plane <clears throat> is just so good for that yeah. very that very thing. So I, I dug that quite a bit. <clears throat> I, um, this movie was very very enjoyable for me, just from the from multiple standpoints. Like, <laughs> granted, again, everybody's playing teenagers with all of the baggage there and that comes with it. And, you know, like I told you in the one, my one message, there's a reason why I started using teenagers as a curse word. Because, holy crap. But hormones. The, the thing about <laughs> it is that I loved is they're believable as teenagers. Yes. They're making oh, yeah. stupid decisions that teenagers well, would make. Well, and that's why I was like, okay, oh yeah, now I'm really remembering why I started using teenagers as a curse word. Because they do so well at playing teenagers as a curse mm-hmm. I, it's like in my, the back of my head, it's like, no, they're not teenagers, or at least some of them aren't anymore. But, like, you know, they still play it well enough that it's like, oh, yeah. oh my God, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what the hell is wrong with you, Peter? Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so I did capture some audio uh, clips yeah. from this. I figure you I'm probably sure want to hear did. a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Let's see what we got here. Uh, this was a great moment from Ned in the beginning of the movie because um, it just it just made me laugh. Europeans love Americans. I mean, do they? I, uh, but do they? Some of them. Some of them I'm sure do, but others, no. <laughs> so we didn't talk like, about them. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, we didn't talk about them a whole lot, but um, the teachers, Martin... Um, and uh, JB Smoove, yeah. uh, awesome again. Like they're great. Yep. They're they're totally there as comic relief. Um, yep, and you can, it shows, which uh, is fine. But like it, it had some great lines. Like this one just makes me laugh because it's JB Smoove and his brilliant delivery. When you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. When you're in Venice, your socks get wet. <laughs> yep. And uh, yep. and I and I loved every time. Like when they're watching what happened with uh, Mysterio for the first time. And the, the two teachers are standing there and he looks at me and goes, what do you think about this? He goes, as a man of science, it's witches. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> he just sticks yeah. with that. And that, that made me laugh every single time. And then there was, um, this is both of them. So this is um, when he's talking about their upgrade, when they got upgraded and going to Prague. You should have heard me on the phone with him. I really gave him hell. All I heard was crying. Uh, and, uh, and then of course going to, going to Prague, um, because this is right after, uh, Peter, you know, he, he doesn't understand, he doesn't realize that Nick Fury is going to hijack, uh, their vacation. And then he does in a, in a total Nick Fury move, like a ridiculous Nick Fury move. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. but, but then he's sitting but there it's talking still something that Nick would have done. I mean, oh, you know, 100%. knowing now that it sounds, it's like still something he'd absolutely have done. Cause it's like, oh yeah, no. Be, yeah. 100%. And so then, you know, Peter and Ned. Yeah. I'm just happy. I don't have to go to Prague. Seriously. Good news. We're going to Prague. <laughs> and just again, Tom Holland's reaction, reaction <laughs> faces are always great. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have, uh, this. Peter Tingle. So now I've got, I have that now on my soundboard forever is Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Peter Tingle. And also Tom Holland. Please do not start calling it my Peter Tingle. 
You kind of just enjoy using the Peter Tingle, aren't you? <laughs> I might, just a little bit. Oh, I don't know. I've got a bad feeling about this. Peter Tingle. Uh, um, here's the flash, uh, that flash moment um, that we were talking about earlier. Uh, and it just it made me laugh. He's inspiring. He inspires me to be a better man. What's up, dickwad? Thought you drowned. <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> a little penicillin will clear that up. Uh, doc, Doc, I don't know what's wrong. Peter Tingle. Uh, but, oh, man. He, he's inspiring. Uh. He inspires me to be a better man. Sup, dickwad? Like, <laughs> it's so perfect. Did you, um, I just out of curiosity, the one that I asked you about, did you happen to get that one too? Um, possibly. Was it this you were asking me about? I mean, I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, sir. Bitch, please. You've been to space. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Probably one of the, it's like, it's just like, come on, Peter. Really? You've, you've been to space. We know this. Come on. But if you're watching the movie and you have no idea that it's Talos, you still could believe, like, Nick Fury could say that. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And that's what I loved about it because, like, yes, it's we now know it's Talos saying it, but at the same time, you can still see Nick Fury saying that to him, you know, mm -hmm. as a way of going, dude, shut up. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I loved... So, so Quentin Beck, the first time he meets Peter and Peter comes into the room, they, uh, they say hi. And of course he sees him and, um, Peter immediately says, oh, Mysterio, because they'd been talking about him and they gave him that name and Beck, uh, responds with like, just call me Quentin. But then the next time he sees him, now he's playing on that by saying, no, the name's Mysterio now. And he's like making Peter feel better about that. And it, like all the ways that he was building him up, even, you know, this line when, when Peter's geeking out about the whole theory of a multiverse. And then he looks over and there's Maria Hill and Nick Fury and everyone else just staring at him like, kid, what the hell are you talking about? And he, he gets all embarrassed and Quentin Beck responds with, don't ever apologize for being the smartest one in the room. Meanwhile, by the end of the movie, that now has a secondary meaning because Quentin Beck, yes. it's a backhanded compliment. Yes. And, and I love that. And again, that's <clears throat> Jake Gyllenhaal just, just like bringing it. Yep. Um, well, and it's funny because even before getting to the end, it still—I don't know why—but it still felt like a backhanded compliment, even before getting to the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it just—it was just—I don't know. I think it may have been his delivery that just like, oh yeah, no, that's definitely a backhanded compliment in the back of my head. Yeah. No, I can I can totally see that. Um, and it it just it works so well, and then. I talked about how he kind of became unhinged, right? And you're starting yes. to see the yeah. the ways that that goes on when he says, "Just kill the kids myself." Like, dude, okay. It's like, wow. It's like a bit going a bit farther. Jeez, it's a, it's a bit strong, but okay. Yeah. Um, and then I'd got the, that that scene in the bar, the aftermath scene in the bar where. He says, you know, get this costume off of me and like half the people disappear and yeah. the illusion is uh, being shown to us and all that. I loved it because he gets up and he starts talking about every, every all the people, including Janice from accounting. Yeah. And um, it was uh, like when he's talking about uh, the guy that came up with the backstory. The story you created of a soldier from another Earth named Quentin fighting space monsters in Europe is totally 
totally ridiculous and apparently exactly the kind of thing people will believe right now. I mean, everybody bought it. Like, it's so great because it's that's also very much poking fun at what they're doing with the movie. And it works. Yep. And I love that on yep. like those levels. So I just yep. it, it cracked me up. Um, so, yeah, those are those are audio clips from the movie. Please do not start calling it my Peter Tingle. All right. So just please. Peter Tingle. I'm keeping that forever and you're going to just have to deal with it. Yeah. I, I can see you using this in your game streams now. So, you know, that, might, that'll be a thing. Might happen. Might happen. Um, look, this is a, I think a very good follow-up to Spider-Man homecoming. Oh, no, it's a wonderful follow-up. I'm not sure which one I like better. I kind what, of homecoming be, or far from home. Yeah. Because the thing with the two movies is they're, they're similar structured. Um, but they both have such good villains and their villains yeah. are good for different reasons. They're both fantastically portrayed. Michael Keaton's Vulture and Adrian Toomes' Vulture. Yeah. And then Jake Gyllenhaal's Quentin Beck Mysterio. They're both great in different ways. Yeah. But they're oh, also yeah. no, like, it's... and they're, they're, <clears throat> they're both playing on that kind of uh, paternal mentor-ish trope. Yeah. More, more so with, with guess, Mysterio sure. than with, with Vulture. But like yeah. they both fit that mold in again different ways, and yeah. it's so good. I I don't know. I I think well, if if I it, have to choose between the two, I'm probably going to choose Homecoming. Only because it kind of laid the groundwork, and I feel like there's just there's a the the stakes the first. You can't get the second one. Well, not just that, but like the stakes felt more Higher. personal. Yeah in that one no. than they do yeah. in, in this one. This one had suffered from getting a little too big and a little too. Yeah. I, I would say that in with regards to having to try to pick between the two, I'd say that, you know, again, like you said, it's kind of a hard one to do, except, you know, homecoming edges out ever so slightly for, you know, the same reasons that you just stated. Like I would say that the writers for far from home, did their job almost perfectly then. Oh, sure. Because they did it, it. Like getting a good sequel to a movie is a very, very tough thing to do. It really, <laughs> like, really is. It, it's, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, but you, you get things like, you know, the Lord of the, Tri Lord of the Rings, you know, the Hobbit movies. You know the Harry Potter movies, where it's like, okay, well, you know, you can kind of see, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit easier thread needle to thread, just because of, okay, well, you know, there's a certain sequence of events that have to happen for the story, to, for the whole overarching story to move forward. This, it's, you don't know what that overarching story is, so it's, it's like harder to see. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a much tougher needle to thread. But yeah. I would say it's better for it that they actually managed to do it pretty well with, you know, again, if the only really bad thing I can say is it suffers from being too big and too, a little bit too grand. Yeah. It, that's not a bad, it, it, it's, yeah, it, that's not and, a bad thing. Yeah, neither movie is bad. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that this is a bad movie. I will watch it 10 no, out of 10 no, times. No, I, um, saying it saying it is that it was sort of the wrong thing to say. It's, it's like it's it counts as a win. Yeah. If oh. the only thing that you can say is that it's, you know, a little too grand, a little too big. Okay, well, yeah, it's still a win. 
Sure. Because everything else got nailed. Yeah, and obviously, if you're not a fan of superheroes, if you're not a fan of the MCU, these aren't movies for you. But no. they do have a fairly wide appeal to to a general audience, um, yeah. which I do appreciate as well. So I, I love the hell out of it. I think this is a fun movie. I'm glad you got a chance to see it. Um, well, yeah. And it's funny because I remember the first, which one was the first one? I think Captain America was actually the first one I had seen for the MCU. And I remember hearing about that they were going to do that. And I remember being very, very leery because by this point, I think Disney had taken over Marvel. Yep. And... I, I had gotten very leery over the whole thing because it's like, okay, well, Disney's in control. Okay, they have a crapshoot of a, a of a, a success when it comes to after having acquired other IPs. You know, it it could go either way. And then, you know, I started seeing some movies, and it's like, okay, no, this is this is good. They're doing good. Okay, no, they have the right people at the helm of this. Yeah. You know, and. <clears throat> pretty much without fail, the ones that I have seen have basically enamored me a little bit more to the whole MCU. What they've done is they were smart to they obviously they had Kevin Feige kind of yeah. heading things up. And so he had a yeah. he had a, a rough outline of a plan of things that he wanted yes. to do, and then they've been able to slowly shape that. But what they did was they didn't think of these as standalone films and no, we're going to make no, a trilogy and we're going to do this together. It was the, the infinity saga was season one of the MCU. Yeah. And each movie was an episode in that season. And by yeah. doing it that way and making it interconnected, there are people that are going to get fatigued with it. Even fans that are going to get fatigued. They're going to, there's going to be too much going on, whatever. I don't care if you don't like it, you don't like it. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't even have to like everything that comes along. But what I liked was, that they've they've gone from sort of making the same basic movie over and over but interchanging some parts to yeah. trying to expand out and do some new things and now with the series that they're doing it's a lot of material so if you really if you're a super fan and you want to keep up on everything it's a lot to keep yeah. up on but they're trying and going <clears throat> in new directions yeah. And they're trying well, to, and, to incorporate some uh, new styles and new ideas. I mean, She-Hulk Attorney at Law is essentially a sitcom. Yeah. It's well, really good. And then what I what I appreciate, though, too, is that even with Endgame, they left just enough loose threads that they could use those to then tie, you mm -hmm. know, the Infinity Saga with, you know, the, the Secret Invasion Saga. It's like, you know, there's, or even, you know, season, effectively season three, you know, yeah. they, they've done a good job of, yes, we're going to close 90% of the open threads, but we're going to leave just enough to make you go, oh, hey, wait, what about that? What about this? What about that other thing? Yeah. You there's know, What's going to happen here? And there's so much material to pull from and there's so much to do and they're getting more and more. They're actually getting more and more comic accurate as they go. Um, Which is funny because I, I would have expected them to have started at, that way and then deviate. But the fact that they're getting closer to the comics, it's like, okay, well, that's kind of nice. Because, you know, they're adapting. And obviously when you have, you know, a character where you're pulling from 40, 50 years worth of material, uh, you're, you're going to change and condense some things. But I just like that they're, 
they're evolving and they're constantly changing. You know, WandaVision yeah. was a very different type of series from something like Loki, which told some different stories, and She-Hulk yeah. is going in a different direction. And now uh, Miss Marvel, or Ms. Marvel, was was a fun series that not everybody's going to love, and it's not going to be for everyone, but I like what they were doing. They're getting more, yeah. um, there's more representation of different heroes and different yeah. uh, socioeconomic backgrounds and all this. It's not just a bunch of billionaire white boy orphans. Yeah. Um, well, and for me too, like the fact of, oh, hey, you have all these movies and these TV shows now that are sort of intertwining with each other. It's like, okay, well, to get the whole story, you kind of have to watch everything, but at the same time, <clears throat> there's enough that carries over between the movies to the shows and from the shows to the movies that you don't actually have to do that. No, you can skip the shows. You can skip, some, you know, certain things and not completely miss out because you'll know that you'll wind up seeing callbacks to those things at some point down the road with the things that you are watching. I, yes, I feel as though <clears throat> there is connective tissue between everything, but yes, you don't have is. to, you don't have to watch WandaVision for, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to make sense. Right. It helps. It gives you more context. It's like reading comic books. You don't have yep. to read every issue of every comic book for a story to make sense. But if you did happen to read that brief run of Excalibur, then you'll understand why Captain Britain is in this, you know, particular Avengers comic for some reason. Yeah. So, like, there's that kind of stuff that can happen. And I like that. That's what's cool to me from a storytelling standpoint and from a filmmaking standpoint. Yeah. I do hope that as we move on, and um, I don't want to get too much on a soapbox, but, like, the VFX artists especially start getting kind of treated a little bit better. Because it is so yeah. much content, and they're trying to pump it out <clears throat> so quickly. Yeah. That's hard. But yeah. that's that's a different discussion for a different show on a different day. <sighs> Um, but I just, I very much enjoy these movies and I'm glad that you got to see this one and kind of tick that off. The oh list yeah. No, I enjoyed this one. Chip away I enjoyed at this the one MCU. a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I, at, <clears throat> honestly, at some point I know I was going to be watching at some point, you know, all the, all the ones I missed at some point, including, and you'll probably want to, you know, murder me for this, but even going all the way back to Iron Man one, sure, <laughs> like yeah, that's... I like, even going all the way back to that, it's like, you know, hey, I have, like, so at some point, I'm probably, we're probably, you and I are probably going to be sitting out and doing this with almost every single one that I haven't seen, but, you know. Potential. That's potential. But at the same time, you know, if you're doing it with other people, you know, I can still watch along and do the thing. So yeah. it's not like. A, well, and there's a lot a of. Big, yeah. And there's a lot of material to cover. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, Way too much material to cover. <laughs> Some would say, and you know, I I can't I, I can't disagree with that. There's a it can be too much. Uh, it's not for me. I enjoy it, um, but I definitely take it in uh, doses too. Like I waited a little bit to watch Ms. Marvel. Um, I didn't watch yeah. Loki immediately. Um, yeah, you know that kind of stuff. But it it's it's good. It's good material, and I think overall, even at its worst the MCU stuff is still highly entertaining and enjoyable. Oh yeah. No, no. Uh, even if, even if you don't like <clears throat> the storylines, I mean, if you're coming just to see the action, you're going to get plenty of that for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I mean, and, and they did build, do a nice job of sort of laying the, the groundwork, you know, in the, in phase one, like mm -hmm. 
Oh, they absolutely. just sort of, you know, they did a wonderful job with that. And then, you know, as they went on, they just sort of built it out just a little bit more, adding a little bit more, adding a brick here, adding a brick there. And... Yep. Well, <clears throat> Nisbet, thanks so much for being on this week. This was a fun, of course. fun discussion. Um, and uh, as always, you're welcome back anytime. So, uh, of course, you know, we have. I, I would imagine we'll be doing, you know, No Way Home at some point further down the line. There's plenty more MCU to cover with you. So. True. That's good. Well, and even other shows or other movies too. So absolutely. Um, so, do you have anything you want to tell people about that they they should know? Uh, coming up. Well, uh, I well actually, yeah. Uh, so I am part of a two actually two different campaigns um, uh, with a friend of mine running as the DM. Okay. Um, one is uh, a Shutter One campaign. That is, it's a homebrew campaign, um, but using, was it 6th edition, I think it is? Well, whatever the current edition is for Shadowrun. Um, okay. It's called Shadowrun Race to a Billion. Um, and we're, we're having a little bit of fun with, with Atlantis and, you know, werewolves and demons and everything in between. Cool. Um, uh, it's one to two times a month, depending, because uh, we have enough people where we can actually do that, where we actually have to do that. Every once in a while, we'll do an all-in-one where it's all hands on deck. Um, but this this month, we will be doing um, two um, two different groups. Uh, mine will actually be on next Sunday, actually a week from today, at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um and that's going to be on uh, Saber Drone Network is the is the the user uh, is the Twitch thing. Okay. Um, it's Sarah and Sabertooth is the the person who is DMing that. Um, and I'm also part of a D and D campaign with him as well that is called uh, From Fantasy to Reality, okay. where the fantastical is sort of blending in with. The rea- with reality um interesting we're still sort of in the what first six seven um campaign sessions so i mean we're still sort of very early on um but yeah it's things are things are starting to get just a little bit hairier um <laughs> just just a little bit uh and actually that's next and that's only once a month um and that is actually going to be the next one's actually going to be this coming Saturday, the seventeenth, okay. um, also at three p.m. Uh, three p.m. Eastern. And the link for that <laughs> will be. At least I believe it's going. At least I believe three p.m. Eastern for both of them. If it's not going to be three Eastern, it's going to be four Eastern. Okay, and we'll have um, the link for for those in the show notes, where yes. you can go to find that as well. Yep. Cool. So some yep. some actual some um, like uh, live streamed. Uh, D and D yep. and Shadowrun uh, gameplay, oh. and as added incentive, there is uh, once you've been watching for a while, there is actually some audience participation uh, involved as well. So it's not just hey, you're watching this; it's hey, you can actually influence events. Oh, cool! Um, so you can add a, su- add a success for uh, in the Shadowrun or add a uh, a fail, you know. So. Nice. Uh, there's a lot to it. Um, Excellent. Well, I will. Yeah. Uh, I will make sure that there are links for that in the show notes. And um, yep. 
and all of that uh, coming up. So those those will be there. That's where you can find Nisbet. Um, if you enjoy this show and you want to hang out uh, and be in our chat room, we had uh, Danny Ora in there and uh, Nismaru tonight. Just kind of hanging out. Um, I do stream the show live Sundays, 8 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. And then the show comes out in podcast form on Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts or tvstravis.com. And uh, now I have um, recordings of these live streams available on YouTube. Um, I'm working working on getting uh, enough subscribers so that I can get the vanity URL and have it be, you know, youtube.com slash tvstravis. Uh, I'm not there yet. So if you can uh, search for weight you haven't seen, um, you'll see the last 10 or so episodes on there. Uh, and if you can uh, throw a subscribe my way on YouTube, uh, I would greatly appreciate that. The more that I can get, the sooner I can get that vanity URL and start getting more content out on that YouTube channel as well. So um, just search for weight you haven't seen on YouTube and you'll find it there. Uh, and I appreciate that so much. And also, I mean, if you want to uh, help out the, the show and the streams financially, you can do that via Ko-fi, uh, ko-fi.com slash TV's Travis. Buy me a cup of coffee. Um, you can even set up recurring uh, subscription there if you want. Uh, appreciate. I appreciate all of it, whether it's just telling people about the shows, just listening to the shows, uh, checking it out on YouTube, all of that. I appreciate all of it. Thank you so much, everybody um, that does come to hang out and subscribe and all of that. You, you're all great. It's the reason that I do this because I just I enjoy it so much. Um, so, yeah, next week, uh, he who is Steve will be coming on the show from the Botched Podcast. And I'm looking forward to this because we are going to watch Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Um, and uh, let me tell you, if uh, if you like Star Wars and you like animation, um, you might like Wizards, although it's not really Star Wars. It kind of is, but it's Ralph Bakshi, and it's weird. So that's going to be a fun one. I can't wait for that. Um, I love Ralph Bakshi stuff. It's it's crazy. It's just crazy enough. And uh, and this was, uh, I think, 1977, so I think it came out the same. I think it's the year it came out, and it's like, right around the time of star Wars. Um, so that's going to be pretty fun too. Um, so that's going to be next week with he, he, who is Steve, Steve from the botched podcast, which is somebody that I've been looking forward to having on for a while, having on here for a while, uh, ever since I was on their show. Um, and, uh, and I had a lot of fun with that. So that's coming up next week. Um, and, uh, we're inching closer and closer to Halloween and, uh, <laughs> And the month of October is going to be a lot of fun, too. So come back for that. So, Nisbet, thank you again for being on. This was You're super welcome. fun. And until this makes it, How many times have I been on now? Oh, probably <laughs> five or six at this point, I think. Six. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Just, yeah. So until next time, until Wizards next week with Steve from the Bosch Podcast, just remember to enjoy your movies. And uh, look, it's crazy out there, so let's be excellent to each other. All right? Thanks. See, now that's some bullshit.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>